0: So can you walk us through how partners can create a safe place for one another to play to be silly to be themselves to really be who they are in any moment with their partner and feel safe to do so i'll
1: throw out one thing structure helps because then you need to show up in a dependable way or your partner you know if there's clarity i'm just going to throw out one idea okay this too, was my idea that what about if we get a 30-day calendar and on the odd day of the month, it's my job to make sure we go to bed connected. If there's any rupture during the day, I must, no matter how mad I am, I must stop and go fix Harville, a cup of decaf, and sweeten it exactly like he wants it i have a foamer of hot milk and or i go and get him a rose give him a rose or some chocolate and just go honey sorry you know if there was any problem today i'm really going to try to do better tomorrow and on the even days of the year the second the fourth the eighth the tenth it's harville's job by the end of the day it's his job to be there for Mm -hmm. me and this we tell every couple one of you is the maximizer and one is the minimizer and opposites attract and but and so in the marriage one of you is thinking i do this for our marriage i do that for that and the other person Mm. just feels flooded and the minimizer goes i just forget it or maybe it's their enneagram or something but regardless of their enneagram number or whatever if they are on the even days or the odd days, they have to do their job.
0: Yeah. So I want to respond to the a more technical sense about what creates safety. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a very challenging thing to create safety because, and it, it just occurred to me, I want to do a sort of a historical two or three sentences about the brain Helen and talks about usually talks about the brain but that we as a species as human species developed a paranoid brain over the millions of years before we developed civilization and had uh, security forces and police forces and buildings with locks on the door the brain always operated with this question in mind is the person coming down the path or the noise that I just heard in the forest, gonna kill me or not? The brain had to always ask this question, which is called, it's a negativity. And since it was more often than not going to hurt you, then you had to predict that you had to protect yourself. So we have fundamentally a a paranoid brain, which is, is still operating, although we're now in a, in civilization and in structures of safety structures of security but you know around the world today there war going on and then all the political stuff going on so that that we just can't assume safety so helen i've been working on how do we make safety happen given the way the brain is structured and what occurred to us about 30 years ago and you've seen it in our books is the dialogue process and what we say to everybody is you have to learn how to talk differently that the fundamental way along with that brain developing whether or not it was going to survive it also did not develop listening capacities other than for signals of danger or mating that those were the two things you Mm -hmm. had to listen for is this going to be a mate or is this going to be an enemy and so listening as a capacity did not evolve over historical time but talking did because you had to talk you had to make noise and language became more and more the way form of interaction but along with the evolution of language listening did not evolve so that right now research recently done on listening accuracy is that all of us start off with a 70% distortion rate and that you get only 30% of what somebody is saying while they're talking. And that's for a lot of reasons. You're not sure what they're gonna say. You're also running your own story. You may have had a bad day, but overall it's a 30% accuracy rate. So listening. So we developed this uh, dialogue process and in fact, Helen sort of invented that on the spot One day in 1977, when we had first met, I don't think we'd gotten to the dating point. We were just interacting, doing some things together, and later on began to actually, quote, date. But we, even before we started dating, we had an intense negative relationship. That is, we argued most of the time, disagreed with each other most of the time. The first night that I took Helen out to dinner, she didn't like the restaurant. And then I didn't like the way she told me she didn't like the restaurant. And
1: and I consider that dating. But 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 the dates weren't fun.
0: We go to to her house because we're both single. And she has a house. She's a single parent. I'm a single parent. We go Mm -hmm. to her house. We're still in this argument. And all of a sudden, Helen says, stop. One of us talk. One of us listen. And take turns. And... It calmed us down, and I'm a therapist at that point. I have a clinical practice with couples, and we were doing a type of couples therapy that was conflict resolution, problem solving, and cognitive, figure out how to do things better, which had only 40% success rate. So it wasn't a good form of couples therapy anyway, and I realized that this calmed me down. We did do what Helen said, took turns, and we weren't doing mirroring. We just took turns talking. But I took it to my practice and set couples up. In fact, turned them for the first time and said, y'all look at each other. Mm-hmm. Now, one of you talk and the other one talk. And then I began to ask them, "How did? so how is this working for you? Because that was radical. Because usually they look to the therapist and the therapist and they tell the therapist the story and the therapist then interacts what do you think about what mary is saying or how do you react to that peter and all of which and now i look back is worthless worthless kind of therapy but talking like this so i kept asking him what else so the long story is that couples began to fill in the blanks i would like for him to tell me what he's hearing. So I came up ultimately with the word mirroring. Helen and I would talk about, so when they started mirroring each other back and that it finally evolved in to I'd like for them to see my point, you know, to do validation. Am I making sense and maybe express empathy. That took about, I don't know, six or eight years for all of those pieces to emerge as the dialogue process. So now we would say to the question of safety, you have to give up monologue which is what Helen and I were doing. We were doing parallel monologue, yelling at each other. But then when we went to, to just one talking, and the other talking, that was still parallel monologue. We just weren't yelling, but you got to move to the point that what is sent is mirrored back accurately. And when I hear back from you that you are getting what I'm saying, that regulates my neurochemistry so that my cortisol level goes down and my endorphin level begins to go up so that I have a neurochemical change. When I have that change, I'm beginning to feel safe with with Helen or whoever. So we then built into that it is a prescription. If you want a great relationship, you don't have an option. You have to give up monologue, parallel monologue. You spend, certainly have to give up yelling at each other, taking turns yelling at each other. And you have to go into talking and listening in a specific way. And the definition is that it becomes a safe conversation, which is talking without criticizing. And you know how hard that is, because usually we talk and we have a little edge. You need to really hear this. Listening (laughs) without judging, which means when your partner's talking, you're usually running a little narrative about that. that didn't make any sense. Wonder where he got that. You have to listen without judging. Meaning you have to turn off your internal engine, turn it off and start receiving without thinking about it. Just receive it and connecting then. And that's the only way you can connect beyond your differences. And in fact, difference is the only thing we disconnect about. That's the only problem couples have is inability to accept each other as different or to accept differences like, is it hot in here? Well, no, it's not hot in here. It's cold. No, it's hot. We have a difference and we can fight over that. But the fight is not about the temperature, it's about who's right. And it's that simple. It's just embarrassing that it's that simple. But safety is the ability to engage in a dialogical process. There are three other steps that we'll get to because that's the central question. If I could
1: just talk about, it's simple, it's simple. I call Harville a genius at simplifying the complex. And he Mm. does. And let me just say one thing about what he just said about dialogue. Very first and very quickly, when we teach these days, we tell people we have a new definition of a relationship. It's not a person and a second person with a history. It's We take pains to say it's two people and the space between, Mm -hmm. and people go, well, that's stupid, nothing's there. The space between is energy, and it's not the words... It's the way Harville looks at me and his tone of voice and his facial expression. And it's not my words only. It's do I look at him with a loving look? And then he relaxes. So it's nothing either of us said. It's things that do impact the energy field between us, even though, and so we have to teach them about that.